Welcome to the Live Lucky Podcast, where we discuss the lucky strategies that bridge the gap between who you are and who you want to be. I'm your host, Blake Suzellis. Get ready to face the worst of yourself, shift your perspectives, deepen your love, and broaden your wisdom to live and lead others in a lucky life. Welcome back to the Live Lucky Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. And uh, I know I took a short little break here last week, but I'm back and uh, we're finishing up uh, Jim Quick's book on Limitless. This is part three here. And so Jim Quick, just just to catch you back up, the Limitless book is all about upgrading your brain, learning anything faster, and unlocking your exceptional life. So again, this year we're focusing on answering the question of what is possible. And so with Jim Quick's book, you know, he has kind of set out these three different aspects or um, ways to, to step into that. And that is, first of all, mindset, uh, which is kind of the what. Motivation is the why. And we went into pretty great detail last episode on those two. And then today, we're actually going to finish up his book, and he's talking about methods, the how. How do we step into this? Um, So this kind of takes us through the last one, two, three, four, five chapters of the book. And the first chapter that uh, he, in in this section under methods, he's talking about focus. And uh, one of the quotes he has in there that just really resonated with me, it says, if you can't concentrate, you can't manifest. You know, it, it is something you can learn, right? Like anything in this life, if you want to step into it, you have to be able to learn well. But you also have to be able to focus and concentrate. Um, and so uh, it isn't your mind that's moving is what he's talking about when he's talking about focus. He's like, it's really your awareness. You know, we tend to distract ourselves. We try to multitask. We try to, you know, or there's just clutter in our brains or even around us, right? And so focus is a really important piece in trying to upgrade your brain, learn faster, and unlock that exceptional life and potential you have in learning. Um, And so what he said, instead of working on distraction and multitasking and clutter, which do not lead to focus because it shifts your awareness away from what you're actually trying to do. Um, But sometimes, you know, we're just like, oh, I just I give up. I can't learn this, you know. But what he's saying is we've got to really take hold of our concentration. And there's a way to do that. And he said, instead of using distraction, multitasking and clutter, step into first breathe. Okay. Really, we've talked about this in uh, previous episodes, calming that emotional brain, helping you to center yourself so you can focus, put yourself in that position. Secondly, he says, do something that has been causing you stress. (laughs) This is the opposite of what you want to do typically, but, but what he's referring to here is if something has been eating away at you on your, in your mind and just like in your heart, it's just like, just do it. Just Put it on the list today and just do it. Get it over with. Check it off the list, and then it'll be behind you forever, right? Um, So he's like, if it's causing you a bunch of stress and you can't focus on anything else because you've got this thing gnawing on you, just do something about it, okay? 
Third, he said, schedule time for distraction. So, I mean, so often we're on our phones, right, or, or watching a movie or just, you know, whatever it is to distract ourselves just to pass the time or whatever that might be. <clears throat> but the time when you're trying to learn and concentrate is not that time. And so if you schedule, hey, this is my time to just be on my phone for 10 minutes, you know, while I'm after I'm done with lunch and just whatever, uh, or maybe another time of the day. But, but scheduling it then, you know you're not going to miss it. You're not going to miss out, but you are – it's kind of like budgeting, right? Our time is kind of like money in, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of similarities there. Telling your time where to go or wondering where it went. Right? It's the same thing with money. We can budget and tell our money where to go or wonder where it went. You know, So uh, so that is kind of the chapter on focus, just in a nutshell. And of course, of course, there's so much more into these chapters. I'm just kind of giving some, some surface-level stuff that jumped out to me. And so uh, for those of you who are reading this book along with us this year, you know, kind of starting out with the biology belief, going into this Jim Quick Limitless book, and then going into, actually, next time we're going to be doing Mind Over Medicine by Dr. Lisa Rankin. So I'm really excited about that. I've actually started reading it. I uh, really like it so far. Anyway, uh, back to Jim Quick's book here. Um, so the second uh, thing we're going to talk about, the second chapter is studying. And he says, um, he starts out talking about there's four different levels of competence. And uh, this really resonated with me in a big way, uh, just because of what I know about the conscious brain, the unconscious brain, our belief systems, and all those things that we've talked about even on this, this podcast. But he says the four different levels of competence, the first one is the unconscious incompetence. Okay, it's the things we don't even know we don't know, right? Then there's the conscious incompetence, which is the things we know we don't know, <laughs> right? So the first one is we don't even know we don't know it. The second one is we know we don't know it. The third one is conscious competence where it's like I know I know it. And then there's the fourth one. And this is really the key in what he's saying to studying and really to uh, stepping into a limitless life is restructuring the unconscious competence so that you don't even have to think about it. There's a competence you don't even think about. It's automatic. And what he said, the key there is practice and habits. I love this phrase that he said. He said, practice makes progress. And I, I absolutely agree with that one. You know, as we, you know, create our schedules, do these things and practice, you know, whether it's meditating or working out or um, music, it doesn't matter what it is, right? But the more we practice the better we progress. I mean, that's just how it works, you know? Um, So he also talks about habits and different things to um, help with habits. And he says, employ active recall. So when you are actually reading and studying something, pause every, you know, little bit, we'll say even 20, 25 minutes, pause And just kind of quiz yourself. What do I remember that I just read and what I was just studying without, you know, and and really forcing yourself to recall it. Uh, The second thing he said was employ spaced repetition. So if you're trying to cram, what he's saying is that's kind of like multitasking. It just doesn't work, you know. At least you're not going to retain the information you need to long term. 
Uh, and cramming in and of itself is really stressful, so it gets you in your emotional brain, so we typically don't think very clearly. And if we're losing sleep on top of it, doing an all-nighter or something, it just doesn't work well. So employ spaced repetition. So pick out 30 minutes a day and do it over the course of a week versus trying to cram for six hours the night before you have to have something uh, to present or a test to take. Um, the third thing he said was manage the state you're in. <laughs> this comes right back to emotional brain, right? We have to be able to calm that amygdala in order to keep our thinking brain online. So continue to understand your state of being and managing that uh, is crucial in really trying to create habits and study and focus and all those things. Um, and then he also said in terms of habits and studying, use your sense of smell. He said that the part of the brain that with the hippocampus and the amygdala, those are really um, important pieces to long-term storage. And he said that uh, the sense of smell is actually goes through those same pathways where tactile and auditory and these, the other senses don't actually go through that part of the brain as strongly. And so he said using smell like rosemary or peppermint or lemon can actually help you remember things later. And so, for example, if you're studying for a test and you're putting rosemary on your wrists, go to the exam putting rosemary on your wrists. It will help you remember more. He also said using music for the mind. Uh, Baroque was the, the, the one that he said there's a lot of research on. So this is like Handel and Bach, uh, Mozart. So these are different kinds of, of music that he said that are really helpful in helping you remember uh, things and in your studying habits. Uh, and then also intentional note-taking using your own words as best you can. But he also put this other thing on there, capture and create. So he said, put like a, take half the piece of paper that you're taking notes on, capture the notes that the professor or, you know, your boss or whoever is giving you. And then on the other half, create your impressions of those notes. So you're actively engaging so much more of your brain um, as you, uh, not just capture notes and just writing them down, you know, you're actually creating impressions in your brain by writing down what you think about what you just wrote in those notes. So hopefully that's helpful for you guys. The third chapter here we're going to look at is memory. So he said, it serves as the foundation for every action you take now and in the future which is absolutely true. You know, I know we've talked about how our memory is what ties us to our past. Memory, uh, I'm sorry. It's just a really important piece to our past, to our present, and our future, right? And so we need to understand memory. But he said one thing that we, when we're trying to learn something, oftentimes we're not really employing our, our motivation. He says, if you are excited to learn something, you're going to be so much more motivated to remember it, and you will remember it better. He says rote memorization is just takes too long, and it's just terribly inefficient. And so this chapter, honestly, was probably one of my favorite chapters in the book because he went through several different ways to help you remember easier and so that it sticks in that long-term memory longer. So I'm going to go through a couple of these things. And he said the visualization is, is really, really helpful. So um, 
actually visualizing. Um, so, for example, if you've got to remember five words, and so you kind of create this image in your brain that includes all five of those words in some way, some visual pictorial version of this in color as best you can, you know, visualizing all of those things in, in an actual picture in your brain. But he also said associations can be helpful, you know, like when, especially when you're trying to remember somebody's name, you know, so it's, um, if you see somebody, I don't even know, I don't, I can't even think of a good example right now, guys, sorry, um, but associating people and things that you're you're thinking about them with. Um, so, for example, I don't know, like if there's a clown and they tell you their name and you think, okay, the first name of that person and then balloons and you see their name written on the balloon or something like that. But creating associations between how, how you can remember them. Uh, the third thing, which I thought was really important in memory, and this is what I was actually going to talk about earlier, was emotion. Emotion helps us remember, okay? If you think about any memory from your past that um, comes up easily, it's because there was an emotion tied to it, okay? If I asked you, you know, and I'm, I'm probably you've used this example before, but, you know, if I asked you, you know, 157 days ago, what'd you eat for lunch? Unless you eat the same thing every single day or you literally were choking on it or something happened that was emotional during that lunch, you're not going to remember, right? Emotion helps us remember. It connects us to, in our body, in our brains, the emotion helps us to, un like, well, like we said, uh, the amygdala, which is our emotion station, and the hippocampus, which helps us with long-term storage, both, well, they both kind of do a little bit, but emotion is a, a thread that goes through both of those. And so recognizing that's a big piece of memory, um, just helpful to, to recognize. And then location. So what he meant by this was create stories out of the information you need to remember. And he said the crazier the better. So if there's things blowing up and all these things and, and just like things that couldn't even happen in real life would help you to remember these stories that you're creating about the things you need to remember. I thought that was brilliant because I don't know, I've never really thought about you know, just telling the story. Stories are so much easier to tell and remember. And so if we create a story out of the things that we need to remember, my goodness, it's so much easier. Um, so then the last one, when it came to this uh, chapter on memory, he talked about the loci method. And he said, go imagine yourself in your favorite room in your house or something like that, or your office or just bedroom or whatever, it, you know, is the most comfortable for you. And then pick 10 places in your room and imagine yourself walking through these in your mind. I mean, you could actually do this in real life, too, he said. It's, you know, you could do both. Uh, but the important part, of course, we're working on memory so that if you've got to go somewhere else, you're not actually in the room to remember those things. But you place certain information in all these different spots around the room. And so you're lo using the visualization, you're using the location, and even emotion because it's like it's a really pleasant place that you enjoy being. You know, it's safe, it's calm because it's your, your house and it's your favorite room. And so I thought that was a really cool idea. Again, just these, I thought these, this chapter was really helpful for me. Um, so hopefully that was helpful for you guys. So we've got two more chapters here, and the next one was on speed reading. And I thought this was really interesting, too. This is probably my second favorite uh, chapter in the book. 
he was saying that the average uh, rate that we read, average human being in you know United States, is 150 to 200 words per minute. Okay, and he was saying there's people reading up to you know 800 to 1200 words a minute, and so you know there's all of these different myths and fallacies about people uh, speed reading that they're not retaining, they're not enjoying it, and all these things. And he's like, that's not really true. He said, there's two important pieces to reading efficiently, and it's speed and understanding. And so he brought those two important pieces in when he was describing speed reading. And so he said, speed reading is a skill and a practice, just like anything else. And just like creating habits out of anything else, the more you do it, the better you get. And so speed reading is just a skill. It's not like, you you know, we've talked in the past about separating your identity from your behaviors. You know, you are not a slow reader, right? It's this skill that's not practice that is not up to what you want it to be, okay? You can actually do anything. And so if you want to put your attention and intention towards, you know, reading faster, you have to read every single day. And you've got to practice this skill. And the cool thing I thought was, and even as I was reading his book, trying to speed read that chapter, um, he said, the faster you read, it forces you to focus more, which I found absolutely true. You were not being distracted by outside things or your thoughts because you were so fo- I was so focused on reading the, page, the words on the page that I couldn't focus on anything else. And he also said, you know, if you have that voice in your head saying the words as you're reading them, you know, this is helpful when we're really young as kids, but as adults, we don't need that voice anymore. So he said, one thing you can actually do to help you try to get rid of the voice in your head that's saying the words while you're reading them is try counting while you're reading to drown out that reading voice in your head. He says, eventually, that voice is not going to be there anymore. Okay? Um, I thought that was, again, very interesting. And another piece to this I thought was really cool. He said that you can increase your rate of reading from 25 to 100% by using your finger. If you use your finger to, to, to kind of follow the words on the page, he says, you read faster. I thought that was just really fascinating. He said that there was different studies on it, and and it's been true. So I'm just kind of believing him on that one. Um, I don't know if I found that to be true for me, but you know what? Obviously, other people are finding that true for them. So that's really cool. Um, So then the last chapter of his book, he talks about thinking. Now, this is is a chapter that it was kind of like anything I didn't say, I'm going to throw in here, like all the things in the kitchen sink we're just going to put in here. And so it was just all sorts of different things about thinking. And so I'm only picking out just four different things to talk about. Um, But the first one was different types of intelligence. And this was, uh, um, he took this from Dr. Howard Gardner uh, from Harvard, but he said that there are eight types of different intelligence. And the first one is spatial, you know, that, that would be for like pilots. The second is bodily kinesthetic. This would be like a gymnast. Uh, musical, like Mozart. Linguistic, like writers. 
uh, logical, mathematical, think Einstein, right? Uh, interpersonal. And this is where, you know, a therapist would come in. This that definitely resonated with that one. But he also said intrapersonal, which is someone who's very introspective, like Gandhi and, you know, other people like that. And then lastly, naturalistic. So this would be like a zoologist. So he's saying there's all these different types of intelligence. And, and just because we are not amazing in every single one of these, you could probably pick out one or two of these that really stand strong for you. And so recognizing just because we think of intelligence as book smarts or something like that, there are lots of different ways to be intelligent. And so um, the second thing he also talked about was learning styles. We all learn a little differently. And he talked about the visual and auditory and kinesthetic learners. And it was funny because he put a quiz in the book and it really surprised me. I thought that I was a very... Um, a visual learner, I guess. is what, Yeah, I was a vi I thought that I was a visual learner. But when I took the, the test, there was only 15 questions, and 10 of them came back auditory. And so it was just really interesting that I learned that about me reading this book. And um, I don't know. I, I guess I found that really helpful, and maybe that's why I really enjoy podcasts because I do just listen, and I can retain it really well. There are certain things, of course, I need to do hands-on, that kinesthetic, like hands-on approach. And there's other things I do need to visualize. But it was interesting that I didn't know that about myself, that I'm more of an auditory learner. So, hey, that was cool. Um, the third thing he said was uh, something that Colin Powell, Colin Powell uh, talked about. And he said decision-making with the 40-70 rule. And again, this is something I just found very interesting, so that's why I'm putting it in here. But he said, don't make a decision with less than 40% of the information or more than 70% of the available information. He's like, you know, less than 40, you don't have enough. Over 70, you, there's too much. You, it's hard to sift through everything. So I thought that was really interesting. So that 40-70 rule for decision making, I might be using this. And then the last thing, this also really resonated with me. He talked about exponential thinking. You know, he's he, he was kind of using business uh, as the main example in, the, in talking about exponential thinking. You know, in business or just in life in general, looking for the root cause of an issue or how to solve a problem and then thinking not just outside the box but from a totally different box – and so I'm going to quote him here because this I thought just was really good. He said, creating a billion, $10 billion company is simply a matter of solving a $10 billion problem. And so when you start thinking exponentially versus just, okay, how do I start a business? And, you know, you've got to start thinking from a completely different box of what are you actually looking to create here? And then put yourself in that long-term kind of mindset of what it is you're trying to think through and what problem you're solving. And um, I just found that so helpful and fascinating. So hopefully you guys found that helpful as well. So we have finished up, like I said, Jim Quick's Limitless book today. Uh, we talked about the mindset, the motivation, and the methods uh, we've went through on today's episode. Um, like I said, this was a really good book. Um, but just because of a lot of the books I've read and my background, um, I found actually this third section on methods probably the most helpful for me. You know, just really trying to understand, you know, 
focus and study and, and especially memory and speed reading. Um, the thinking was helpful too, obviously, but um, hopefully there was something in here today that really stuck out to you and that you can take away. And what is that one thing that you want to take away from today? And what will you do with it? Okay, if it is speed reading and you want to start trying to read every single day, maybe setting aside 30 minutes before bed, it'll help calm your brain down, it'll help you relax so you can go to sleep a little easier instead of being on your screen, you know, but what is it that you want to take away from today and make it an actionable step in your life? Allow it to, for you to step into that impossible this year, right? Now, like I said, I'm really excited about our next book here that I'm going to start in the next episode called Mind Over Medicine. Um, this is going to be a good one for you guys, so hopefully you keep tuning in here and you're enjoying this. Uh, but we've got a lot of great books we're going to go through this year so we can still continue to understand and st- understand that the answer to the question of what is possible and then how do we step into the impossible this year and live limitless. And of course, if you're still wanting to uh, work on living lucky, of course, that's the name of the podcast. That's absolutely what we're doing here too. But remember, living lucky is not living alone. If this was helpful, please share with somebody. Um, And I just appreciate being with you guys today. Uh, And I'm looking forward to talking more 